podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Good to have you with us, gang. Week two of the NFL coming your way. And our friend Tom Deacon, comedian, presenter, all-pro member of the crew, dropping by to talk about his beloved 49. He's got to be happy with their start, surely. And we're going to preview not only their game against the Eagles, but some of the other big matchups coming up this weekend, including uh, what promises to be a tantalizing Sunday night football. Ravens, Chiefs, Jackson, Mahomes. We'll talk Cowboys. We'll talk Chargers. Patriots. We'll talk Dolphins. We'll get into as much as we can over the course of the next 60 minutes to get you set for the weekend. So let's get straight down to business and welcome the brilliant Tom Deacon. Tom Deacon, welcome back to the show. It's good to see you, man. How's life? Uh, life is anything but easy right now. New puppy dad. That's what people are oh hearing boy. right now. Can you hear it in my voice? Sleepless nights. Yeah. Oh boy. This is a this is amazing breaking news though because we hadn't had this conversation before we stopped recording i had no idea that you had a new member of the deacon household and this fits perfectly into something that is getting a lot of momentum on our show this season you will of course remember mike carlson's legendary rufus the dog who often uh makes his opinions known when the new york jets are being discussed well last week matilda the cat my 17 year old cat made her debut on the show on Edge Rush, and we're going to be hearing from her on this week's Edge Rush as well. She's going to be doing Matilda's pick of the week on Edge Rush. <laughs> Deacon, your your puppy is named. Uh, w- well, uh, I won't do the long story because no one cares. But uh, basically, oh, she. No, we, we care. Do you? Look, being a new dog owner is essentially I have to talk to people I've never met in my life before and have to engage in long conversations about <laughs> the dog, the type of dog, uh, how big will the the dog grow because she's a puppy. And um, mm. basically, she's she's a cross. Uh, she's a bit of a mix, and um, she's got a South Korean Jindo tail. So we named her Kimchi, which means. Uh, I won't dwell on that for any longer. It's a lovely little fermented cabbage uh, cuisine, uh, but her nickname is KC. So I feel like she's going to be a Chiefs fan. Oh, by that. But then the dog pound. I mean, you know, surely a Browns. It's it's very leaning leaning Browns. That's a good point. The Chiefs make a lot of sense, which will create, of course, even more friction in your house that's already existing because you, as our our listeners will know, longtime friend of the show, big 49ers fan. Yeah. But the other half... I know she had a free, she had, she had a choice now, you know, she, she got, came into my world. I brought NFL to her world and obviously me being a bit of a legend as well, but uh, <laughs> she got a better trade-off to be fair. Uh, and then I said to her, you can choose any team, any yeah. team. Uh, and she chose the Philly Eagles. So uh, behind me, for those that can see, uh, I've got um, the Eagles Carson Wentz top up there um, because the Eagles go head to head with the Niners. And um, yeah, she feels very sad for uh, Carson Wentz um, not getting a Super Bowl really because Nick Foles, well, he's now got a statue, hasn't he? So um, Rock, yeah. like Rocco. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Mickey, cut me. Did, did he utter those lines during the Super Bowl to Frank Wright? Cut me, Frank. <laughs> I think he did when he said, he said, pass me the ball. I'll show you how it's done. Give me a touchdown um yeah so the household is 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 going to be very weird uh, mm. with a with a chiefs fan but um but but 
as you asked, I'm very an well. I'm looking with an Eagles fan. Or are we are we now anointing kimchi as a Chiefs fan as well? Is I'm going to say kimchi is a, a Chiefs fan. It just makes it easier on on WhatsApp uh, to message uh, just Casey <laughs> two two initials. Um, but it's good, man. It's it's great. You know, the season's back. Uh, now I've got a dog. Uh, I'm happy with the start. The Life Niners haven't lost yet. Um, undefeated. Life's good. Well, let's get into that because, of course. Uh, it's going to be interesting Sunday night in uh, in the Deacon household, right? Because it's a head-to-head square off. And uh, I think just as a side note, we'll say if we do develop this Matilda the Cat, uh, Rufus the Dog spin-off show, like College Days, like Edge Rush, there's a lot of lot of talk that we might might be doing that, rolling it out. As, <laughs> I like I like KC involved in in some way, maybe as a roving reporter. Uh, maybe an update from from Chiefs camp, that kind of thing. If, so if you have a word, but we can talk to her agent uh, if you want. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, though, I mean, what she does have is is huge ears, like uh, the German Shepherds that the the Eagles had. Remember, mm. you know, when they were they were the underdogs uh, in their Super Bowl run. Uh, so she looks identical to that. So to, to, to be fair, she's kind of uh, my girlfriend's dog, really. But yeah, oh, I'd love, okay. I love. I'll have a word with her agent, and we'll definitely work something it's good out. Gig. It's a good gig. She's going to sell the Chiefs report to her. We'll work that out. Let's get down to business. Tom Deacon. Uh, let's start. Let's start by looking back, actually, at what in the hell happened to the 49ers. There's kimchi on camera now. As we, there we go. If you're listening to the show uh, as a pod, uh, good to have you along, of course. Uh, but you can check out video from the show on our social channels at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So pick your poison. Haven't made it to TikTok yet, but Ollie, the producer, working on that, of course, because he is a uh, <laughs> he's a suitable demographic for uh, at age for that. So uh, follow us on social channels for video, and you'll you maybe get a. a uh, a flash of kimchi there, Keiichi there, making her show debut. But I want to go back as we preview 49ers, Eagles, Tom, to, to last week and the, the craziness uh, of the last quarter. The, the 49ers, 28 points up at one stage in that game, and they almost blew it. And this was remarkable because the Lions rallied hard, and, and I know Detroit fans will, will take a fair amount of comfort from that because let's not forget, the Lions fans were booing their own team within the first half of the first game of the season, <laughs> which is sensational in its own right. But the Lions won the fans back round. What went on? Did the 49ers get cocky, get complacent? Were, I mean, we heard a lot about, uh, in particular, the issues uh, on the ground and Shanahan talking about the lack of gap integrity and the way the Lions were just busting up the middle. Uh, like anybody's business. So what do you put it down to, the 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 remarkable comeback that almost was? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it's interesting when Nick Bosa was even saying at one point, I took my tape off and everything. I was expecting it to be done. Uh, that's the that's the, that's the <laughs> attitude that yeah. the, the Niners had at 38-10 at the start of the fourth quarter. It was, um, it was remarkable for a neutral fan. I'm sure it was fantastic to watch. Dan Campbell, uh, the, the man, is, is he all just bravado? Is he all just words? Uh, he's got to put it into actions. And I think that's what the Detroit Lions fans were annoyed about in the first half. Like, oh, same old Lions, here we go go yeah. um but yet they rallied uh the Niners have a great way of making Jared Goff look good um, and he did until that pick six uh from Greenlaw mm. but yeah I feel like for the Niners there was a few injuries on the cornerbacks and uh, we lost Jason Verrett um, lost him yeah. to the season Raheem Mostart lost him but it's next man up in the running back so that's fine Elijah Mitchell let's said- talk about him because Mostert's out there saying I think in half the season um, and already you mentioned Elijah Mitchell I want to get your your perspective on him it, it led me to the San Francisco Chronicle, right? As I was uh, 
getting ready for this week, writing various things, getting the getting the shows ready. I was looking, and no, you were on, right? No, we're going to leave yeah. off for the 49ers. Looking at the San Francisco Chronicle. I don't know if you read much of the Chronicle, Tom, Tom Deacon. It's an interesting title, right? <laughs> so the first article I found referred to Elijah Mitchell as a bargain bin back. <laughs> was, I mean, I get their point, but I thought it was uh, kind of a little bit, you know, Elijah Mitchell's going to be on cloud nine after what's happened to him. And yeah. then, you know, puts on his tablet and hey son they're writing about you in the chronicle <laughs> oh what do they say did they say something nice um no, well, it's, well, not well, it's not interesting it's not important what <laughs> so there was that and then there's a guy a writer called uh scott osler now i get you know reading his stuff i get his shtick that he's obviously um quite acerbic and quite uh, <laughs> and 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 taking it a certain direction but his opening gambit was why does the 49ers one and O record feel more like O and three? My God, you've won the first game of the season already. Yeah. Thing that, that he, his point was that the collapse was lame and the fact that there are injury issues all around the franchise. And then he went, proceeded to list all the different transactions that the organization has done the last couple of years with, with dodgy injury crocs they've brought in. So it seems to be quite yeah. a negative vibe from the Chronicle. Yeah, but but I but as a Niners fan, I do I do feel it. I, I think it wasn't an implosion. It was just a an an observation. It was it was um, I guess they put on show for everybody that mm. their mind games can go against the Niners. Yes, they they're great on offense and Jimmy G and Lance and and defensively with that front line with D Ford and Nick Bosa back, we're great. But if you hit them in the mouth hard enough, as Dan Campbell talks about, uh, you can you can rattle any team. And I think that's what we saw for Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, a sixth round pick, uh, the first uh, uh, running back from um, the third round onwards to get 100 yards in their debut in week one. Mm. That's never happened before. He's got mouths to feed. He, he tweeted about and put out there. He's got kids. He needs to make sure he's good. Um yeah, it, and it's interesting why Trey Sherman uh, didn't line up and, and suit up and get ready to, to play. But that's that's the beauty of the Niners. They seem to find bargain bin uh, running backs here, there and everywhere. And Elijah Mitchell was the next guy to, to step up and mm. deliver with Shanahan's system. But yeah, I, I, do I see it as a loss? No, I, I thought we were lights out to begin with. That We just need to work on the fourth quarter. That's what we need to do. <laughs> that was a, the, the point number one of the Monday morning meeting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys. Guys, it's a fourth quarter game. All right. But I don't think I saw any perfect team in week one. And not just as a Niner fan, I would say this of any team. I'd say, look, there's a lot of things to work on. If you're perfect now, you're not, you know, you're not peaking at the right time. If you're perfect now, no good. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the other NFC West teams, Seahawks. Mm. They're a team that I love to see doing so well to begin with and then uh, plateau and, and fall off a little bit. But Niners... <laughs> it's the heart uh, that kills you, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but but the Niners, I, th I think things are looking good. Okay, Brandon Ayuk uh, didn't even really make it to the field much because Trent Shurfield, uh, Shurfield took his place. Um, but they look good. Debo Samuel looks great. Elijah Mitchell, who's not even our number one or number two running back, looks fantastic. There's a lot of optimism. Don't read the Chronicle, Elijah Mitchell. And uh, anybody else who wants to say that we're zero and three, you're wrong. It's one and oh, guys. It was more like zero and three. It's the most negative thing I've ever I've ever heard. And and uh, Nat, you, you you mentioned, sorry, just to make a point about the Niners, you're talking about Crocs players that we seem to take. Emmanuel yeah. Mosley's had a knee injury. He's limited practice at the moment. Javon Kinlaw, who... Uh, any Colts fans out there will remember we traded uh, uh, DeForest Buckner to the Colts um, and he's 
fantastic. So we thought that Javon Kinlaw in the draft was going to replace him. That hasn't quite happened. And now we're taking another. Kerryon Johnson is actually from the Lions, formerly, uh, who's come to the practice squad, uh, who has a dodgy knee injury. So, so if you have a dodgy knee injury, call up the Niners. They will rehabilitate you uh, to full strength. It's a, it's a fact. I love it. I love that. Um, Trent Sherfield incidentally sounds like a character from a mid eighties frat house comedy. Uh, <laughs> the baddie, he'd be the baddie. In, in yeah. Or Columbo. Just one more question, Sherfield. <laughs> I love, I love our, dropping our two very on point pop culture references for our uh, younger audience. There. Actually, mind you, Columbo gets rebooted on ITV, whatever all the time. Right. So I'm sure, I'm sure it's got fans from, I have to ask Ollie, our producer, if he's ever seen Columbo because Never seen The Wire, famously, of course, despite the fact his nickname on. What? I know, I know, Tom. He's, he still hasn't. We've been ribbing him about it for ages, and he still hasn't hasn't chosen to watch, even though his nickname, of course, on on our Edge Rush show is Propo, after uh. the great Prop Joe. But uh, no, that goes straight over his head, as do all our Wire references. I wonder if he's seen Columbo. We'll have to find that out on Edge Rush. I'll ask him. Um, well, we can do the, the shout-out, the Wire shout-out. When any team goes 5-0, and oh, um, we can... T- typical style of the wire five oh five oh um so so maybe we could do that for for those ones but um, i love it we'll record that we'll we'll clip that up and when we get to week five (laughs) at at least (laughs) we will drop that we will drop that for you uh so let's look at the eagles matchup in particular right um because you've got the point that shanahan made uh, about a lack of bite in the middle of the line and stats underpinning this. The, the Lions rushed for 88 yards on 17 carries. This is in the first half when things weren't going particularly to plan, averaging over five uh, yards per carry. Uh, and Shanahan pointed out they got 60-something yards, is what he said, on three of the same play, which were very similar, which are all up the gut. So they're obviously going to try and fix that as much as, as, much as they can. But difficult against this Eagles side who can run on teams, not least their, their new quarterback, Jalen Hurts, not prolific in the air by any stretch. He averaged 3.7 air yards per attempt last week, which was uh, bottom of the pile in terms of uh, with week one quarterbacks, but he can mix it up on the ground. And they've got, uh, of course, a, a decent ground game around him. So is that what you think the Eagles will try and focus on more of the same and try and repeat the trick that the Lions pulled off? Yeah, I th- well, it- if you don't have a lot of tape to watch on teams, then yeah, do, do what the last team did and do it better. I, I think, um, I think this one's going to be a high scoring game. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I, I see it. Um, Niners great on offense, Jimmy G, Trey Lance, that combo works perfectly. What a dynamic duo uh, they are. What Jimmy G can't do, Trey Lance will do a little bit better uh, and vice versa. But um, how do you feel about that combo? What's your, you know, as, as a 49ers fan, because Jimmy G played apart from, the first step of the season, Jimmy G played pretty well. You know, he yeah. was on point. He's a, he's a solid player, but we all know the book on him is he's not dynamic. He doesn't have that X factor that p- potentially Trey Lance seems to have. Uh, and in this era of the NFL, what have you done for me lately? It feels like it's easy <laughs> and quick to move on from, from a player like Jimmy. It's happening. It's not obviously not the same in, in Chicago, but nobody wants Dalton. Everybody wants Justin Fields. It happened to, uh, I guess, a, a lesser degree in New England, but now Mac Jones looks the part. The, the Patriots have, you know, it wasn't even a contest that Cam Newton was going to start the season. Or why would we even think that? Right? What about the 49ers? What would you like to see happen in the, with the quarterback position as the season rolls on? Mm. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's not broke, so we don't need to fix it right now. Um, 
in the preseason games, it looked electric having Trey Lance come on uh, to take a snap, come off. Jimmy G goes back in. Uh, there's a great tactic with that, that you can be giving the play before it happens. So there's when Jimmy G comes back in, he can tell the offensive line, this is what we're doing. So there's benefits to it. But um, for, for me, Jimmy G has a ceiling. And Trey Lance isn't ready to take over from Jimmy G. So no matter what you do at the moment, it's actually just add them together to give you that hopefully burst through the ceiling. But at the same time, we look, we saw what happened with Aaron Rodgers last season when Green Bay didn't select a wide receiver in the draft. And he looked pretty angry about that and played incredibly last year. Let's not talk about week one for him uh, this season. Let's not, let's not discuss that. But, but, but Jimmy G is playing better than than he than he did uh, at various points last year um mm. before he got injured so actually it's raised his game so when that imbalance happens when Trey Lance de- starts saying I want to look when I, I'm 100 I'm, I'm 100% I throw the football we get a touchdown that's a fact at the moment <laughs> can't argue with it can't argue with it so but but there will come a point where he wants to take over but look at what happens with Patrick Mahomes you leave him for pretty much a whole season and he learns off Alex Smith right so for me, as a Niners fan, keep Jimmy G in there. There's, you can't muck around with the with the salary cap now. He's he's a very expensive quarterback, is Jimmy G. So you, you can't make any uh, trades midseason to, to help that or to really... You, you know, when you look at the salary cap and you think, hey, let's make a big splash next year. That's too late now. Stick with Jimmy G, bring on Trey Lance, get him uh, up to speed. And then we're, when we really, really do need him, he'll, he'll be able to step in. Jimmy G as well. We were chatting about this with with our friend Greg Rosenthal the other week on on the show. And you can deep dive back into the archive if you missed any of our uh, pre-season and early season shows. They're all sitting there. Carlson, Greg Rosenthal, all the big guns. And Greg, we were discussing just how chill Jimmy G looks. He just looks so... He's not phased by any of this. Like other quarterback, like Mitch Trubisky would be, you know, his nails bitten down. Yeah, turn the TV off. I don't want to see anything bad about me. That was... Mitch is coming. <laughs> yeah, Jimmy G is... Oh, I mean, what a gorgeous smile. I mean, let's just take a moment to reflect He's a handsome on. man, Jimmy G. He's a he's handsome a, man. And, and he looks confident. Last year, he looked a little bit rattled uh, before he got injured. And that was the problem with the Niners overall inconsistency. We had Nick Mullins come in, CJ Beathard. You know, Jimmy G wasn't on the field for a lot of time. He was injury prone. But now he's, he's, he's rattled, got a gorgeous smile. He looks confident. He looks like, you know, this is, this is going to be the season where we, we start rolling. That defense now has to step up. And against the Eagles, uh, with all of their weapons and what they offer, I think it's going to be a very, very spicy game. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to develop the Eagles that, uh, you know, obviously they got Devontae Smith, Jalen Riga, decent tight ends. I mean, I wonder if they're going to flex that and with the injuries that you've got in the secondary, whether that's something that they will. Uh, it, it, all this overreaction in week one. Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball. Look, he only averaged three points that he, he did in that game. Let's see what yeah. he's capable of. He's, he's, been playing for 10 minutes in the NFL it's the same thing with two everybody's just ridiculously jumping to this is my definitive conclusion on this player that has played for six games yeah it's week one I mean when you did ask me at the beginning of this show hey Tom how are you feeling I'm feeling awful my fantasy league was terrible absolutely terrible but I will say we begin to understand by week three if you're not making the trades and on waiver wire that you need then then you've got something to, to worry about they're Are still you talking wet- about our inaugural dynasty league. How did you I get on, did, on that? I did get in on that. Um, I um, how did you get I, on though? Week one. 
Well, I, yeah, it's not important. What is important is <laughs> I have made some acquisitions ready for the rest of the season. Um, I was drafting while I was doing a stand-up gig. It was brilliant. <laughs> I even told the audience. I said, listen, guys, I've got one minute till I'm on the clock. Who am yeah. I going for? Um, uh, did, they they help, did they help pick for you? No, nah, they weren't interested, but I, I was very interested. Um, <laughs> for, for, for me... It sounds the, like a great gig. <laughs> When I wasn't on the clock, I was yeah, I was like Jimmy Jiggy. The smiles were were flowing. I think uh, with with the Eagles, they they um, they can run the football against the Niners, and mm. and I think uh, with Devonte uh, Smith, who oddly enough I didn't know this, Nat uh, scored the touchdown in exactly the same spot he scored the game winning touchdown in the national championship. But mm. he won't be playing there uh, again. So uh, <laughs> so that's 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 the only hope the Niners have. I think if Jalen Hurts throws the football, uh, the Niners have got some problems. But it's mm. going to be a high high scoring game this one. Oh, I'm writing that down because we'll we'll look at talk about that on Edge rush um because we need all the help we can get frankly on that show so high scoring game says, says tom dick high scoring game with a with a the right result for you the 49ers win i i think when i watched back uh, against the falcons the falcons had enough opportunities they stopped the eagles at times but just didn't take advantage of it and i think that's that's the problem you need, you need to be complementary uh your offense and defense and i think the niners i think will hold up with someone like nick bosa and d ford uh chasing down Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, I think there is a chance the Niners will just do enough. And, and and then when you're running the football, are you, you know, you're taking time off the clock, control the football. And at the end of the day, it's only week one. I've got no idea, but my, my, my fingers are crossed for the Niners to get this win. I'm really fascinated to see if the Niners win and improve to 2-0, but it's not a comprehensive or clear-cut victory. What the hell Scott Osler's going to be writing at the Chronicle? It's Zero gonna... and six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least. All right, uh, Sunday Night Football. A fair to call it, I think, the game of the weekend with respect, of course, to, to your 49ers and their matchup against the Eagles. Ravens, Chiefs, two of the most exhilarating quarterbacks in the game going head-to-head. Lamar's never beaten Mahomes, of course. 0-3 is career record uh, against his counterpart. And the Chiefs have won the last four straight against Baltimore. And it's difficult, a difficult situation for, for the Ravens because the way they, they lost to, to the Raiders was... I mean, that was an ex- extraordinary game, but the manner in which they lost, where they were in control of it, in control of their own destiny, kept th- essentially throwing it away. And of course, Lamar in particular with, with two costly fumbles, not least the, the strip sack uh, at, at the end, Carl Nassib strip sack that, that ultimately proved to be the decisive factor. And I was thinking, watching it back, writing about it afterwards, Tom, the fact it was in Vegas as well, the way the Ravens lost that game reminded me of you're on the blackjack table and you're storming it and you walk away from the table with your chips. You think, you know, I'm, I'm quitting while I'm ahead. What a night. And as you're walking to the cashier, you see the roulette wheel and you think, oh, and you maybe had one too many and you put it, you just blow it all on the way to the cashier. You're just standing there walking on the sidewalk in a, in a blur. Not that this is a story from personal experience, of course. <laughs> Uh, you know, minutes later, and it's just the way that the Ravens lost that game to the Ravens. They must have just been the equivalent of that guy on the sidewalk thinking, what the hell just happened? Where are all my chips? Yeah, keeps checking every pocket. They were in here. They were in here. (laughs) You can still feel that. um, Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, a personal experience of uh, doubling down. Yeah, look, Black will come in next on the roulette table. It will, it has to, let's double it up. Um, 
I, t- I tell you what, the Raiders did uh, a fantastic job of um, of just just basically saying uh, never die. We we will not we will not go out of this. And, and a fantastic kick from Carlson as well to um, to tie the game. Um, yeah, Lamar Jackson uh, zero and three against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, unfortunately. When he should run, he sometimes passes. When he should pass, he sometimes runs. And um, but that's why he's uh, very exciting to watch. But I don't think Lamar Jackson is the reason why the Ravens didn't win um, uh, against the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders played very well. Um, that, that's my take from it. Um, other people might have a, a different opinion. Um, but they they didn't do enough. They didn't hold on to that lead and, and get that win when they, they really needed to, like you say. You look at the the injuries that you know, Ford Nines obviously been massively unlucky with injuries you know in the past, but the, the Ravens and the season by the sound of it, but the Ravens going into this season with JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards out, Marcus Peters as well in the secondary, and that's not the situation you want to be in when you're facing uh, the Chiefs. Tyson Williams came in and he looked pretty good on debut. He had 65 on the ground. A touchdown had some catches out of the backfield as well. They've brought in both Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell, so we might see a bit of a running back by committee against against the Chiefs. What do you make of Lamar? Did you watch much of that? Because he didn't have Rashad Bateman, their number one pick. So, and he was, of course, has been brought in in the same way that other young quarterbacks have been given a, a number one receiver, and that's a lot of pressure on, a, of course, a rookie's shoulders. But but that very much was one of the things the Ravens looked at doing in the offseason which to strengthen the core strengthen the, the weapons around him you can't mm. overtly criticize his passing game as being if not lackluster or uh you know inefficient then at the same standards as, as some of his counterparts like Mahomes if he doesn't have the weapons that Mahomes has around him right but we haven't yeah. seen Rashad Bateman yet so it's, it's difficult to judge but based on what you saw we saw you know some electrifying runs from Lamar as usual carving uh, carving the Raiders up at times and he was throwing some zingers as well but yeah sidearms the, the, yeah. Side, the, the cheeky sidearms you, you, you're, you're spot on I mean it, the, the, the Ravens did enough to, to get points on the board Sammy Watkins had a great night eight mm. targets four catches uh, for 96 yards and he got that touchdown. So, mm. you know, it's the next man up uh, principle. If if only the Ravens had everybody on the field, I think they would have, I personally, I think they would have had a, probably got that win most likely. Um, but, you know, Miles Boykin's not there either. I mean, there's a lot of players out um, and they're finding out how to play at the moment. And unfortunately they did just enough to win, thought they had, and then we're like, oh, hang on a minute. This this isn't this isn't going to plan. This isn't going to the script. What what, what do we do here? Um, so I think next game that they come back again uh, against the Chiefs, which isn't an easy one to go back to, um, mm. they're gonna get stronger. It's it's just not panic, not hitting that panic mode like every uh, San Francisco Chronicle right now. Do not hit the panic button. They've got enough uh, weapons and talent and. Um, you know, they just need to gel at the moment and, and it just didn't happen quite as it should have done against the Raiders. Also, now they, they have they have all the um, the rookies stepping up like Brandon Stevens, uh, Dalen Hayes, a linebacker, fifth round. They've got a lot of uh, rookies that they're relying on basically mm. at the moment, which is um, they'll either get better or they'll, they'll get worse. Is that kind of, you know. It's that fearless, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that is interesting, The how quickly rookies can hit the ground running. And of course, it's quite an expansive thing to assess right depends on significantly on position but last season going into last season that was a big narrative wasn't it oh it's going to be a really long old season for the rookies there's no preseason they haven't integrated properly and 
And guess what? Rookies had, by and large, across the board, a sensational season. So, yeah, that maybe that is part of the, the change we're seeing in the game now. The receivers, in particular, able to acclimatize almost immediately in the NFL, given the way offenses have changed, which wasn't happening 10, 15 years ago, certainly. Uh, quarterbacks, of course, as well, to, to a large degree, uh, or different styles of quarterbacks being able to, to do that uh, quickly. So it is interesting to see whether those teams, the Cowboys I'm thinking of, in particular, the, the injury issues they've got defensively, the number of young players they've got on that side of the ball, whether they're going to crash and burn defensively or actually will surprise a lot of people despite their, their inexperience. Uh, we shall see. So where are you on... The Chiefs quickly, quick, quick take on them early doors because they've obviously re-upped their offensive line in particular after getting turned over by the the Bucks D in the Super Bowl. Based on what you've seen so far, do you feel that that is uh, that has been strong enough? What they've done, the moves that they've made. I, I, it's it's the bit where I mean the Super Bowl team that got there didn't quite get across the line against the Bucks because the Bucks were so good. <laughs> All I hear in the background at the moment is, is that KC? Is, KC, is KC is losing the plot when I'm talking about the Chiefs. Well, That's the Chiefs. exactly what I, I was about to knock them. I won't KC. Um, good, she's fine now. Um, it, all it's they settled, need to do is settle. She is a Chiefs. She's a Chiefs fan. That, that moment has <laughs> settled it, Tom. For, for me, the, the, the Chiefs definitely need to, to shore up the line. Um, when it comes to uh, uh, defending against the run, uh, they let 153 yards uh, and four touchdowns against the Browns. That's 5.5 yards per carry for Kareem mm. Hunt, Nick Chubb. And what do the Ravens do? They run the football. In terms of the Chiefs, they're just so dominant in offense with Mahomes making the right decisions, Kelsey, and then Tyreek Hill, 197 yards. I mean, what rec- if, if, the, if the Ravens had a receiver like that, and Mahomes um, and Lamar Jackson could pass in the same way that Mahomes does, rather than sidearm. Uh, you know, we'd be talking about the Ravens going to the Super Bowl. But for me, the Chiefs are just incredibly strong, and I, and I think they've got enough uh, to get back there. Okay, let's talk Cowboys Charges next, because I mentioned that the Cowboys banged up a bit. Um, Demarcus Lawrence, the latest injury, he's missing. Well, they're saying six to eight weeks, a broken foot. Uh, which is never good. That is a big loss for them. They could be with that Randy Gregory as well, another pass rusher who, because of COVID protocol, which we're going to see uh, repeatedly, I'm sure, this season, taking out uh, players all through the year. Michael Gallup's on IR as well. Uh, Leo Collins has been suspended for five games. Um, he violated the substance abuse policy, the NFL substance abuse policy. So they uh short-stacked, I think it's fair to say, uh, and not a great place to be going when you're short stack because the charges are looking good. Once again, focus will be on Dak and Justin Herbert, two of the most impressive young quarterbacks in the league. Great to see Dak back and this offense, even without Gallup and Leo Collins and therefore a a weakened line, they can ball Tom. So we're expecting almost every game Dallas to rack up the points, whatever uh, happens on the other side. But, It is concerning. And I looked at this, I picked the Cowboys before I got a full grasp of just how many big names they, they were missing. Which way are you leaning on this? Do you think it is going to be given the injuries and the home field advantage? This is going to be charges to lose, or do you think the Cowboys might surprise a few people here? 
I um after after watching against the Bucks, I think the Bucks are a more dominant team than the Chargers are mm. uh, on paper. Um, it, or as every week, you know, will it will they actually deliver? Uh, is interesting. I, I for me, the Cowboys looked looked really good. Dak, what injury? Um, mm. and and I think apart from Zeke Elliott, it, we know how good he is. It wasn't a great week for him, so he'll step up. He'll come on. Um, do you think he you, will? I mean, should we? What point do we start getting concerned about? Because last year, the big asterisk, of course, was well, the team was was pretty terrible. Didn't have the starting quarterback. Had a banged up line. They were behind in games a lot, you know. So therefore, they were trying to pass their way out of it with Danucci and, and Dalton and uh, and Zeke just had a bad year, had a bad time. So we choked that up to, all right, let, let's go. Everything's back. Everyone's back. Dak's back. Let me see that performance. So at what point yeah. do Cowboys fans start to get worried that this isn't just a transient thing? This is a he's gone situation. For anybody who watched Hard Knocks uh, with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, mm. if, if Zeke Elliott is asked to wrap you a Christmas present or any birthday present, <laughs> then you really do have to be concerned because that is not going to be fully wrapped. Uh, very bougie case he bought uh, uh, your main yeah. man, Dak Prescott. It was, it was delightful. However, I, th- I feel like... Did buy it or did the agent buy it? Did the, was, the, was that the... Or the, the team, <laughs> or the production team that we're filming. Uh, I reckon because it's a very expensive <laughs> case that didn't look like it would get everything that Dak Prescott would need in. You know, yeah. uh, what it, it Dak, didn't. What Dak? I remember um, at one England tournament back in the day, one of the videos released, uh, I think, by England on England's own YouTube channel was. Gary Cahill talking us through what's in his in his wash bag, which, which was surprisingly really really compelling. I want to know I want to know what that has that has in his in his in his Zika present. Yeah, yeah, in that bougie case. What are you taking? Um, I mean, because I saw uh, uh, a few players taking their PS fives and everything yeah. on the plane to to, to fly away. Um, yeah, I, what is in? That, that case, what's needed. But I don't know what is in it, but I know that he played incredibly well against the Bucks, and I think he's going to do exactly the same against the nice. Chargers. But but for me, Zeke Elliott, uh, how much does a running back who's had that much, uh, those many snaps and, and those many hits that you take uh, when you ground and a pound in, uh, then, then for me... Uh, I don't know. Is he regressing? I'd 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 like to to think he's not. I think in that Bucks game he had to protect Dak as much as the, as he possibly could against that mm. pass rush. Mm. But then sometimes he would fly out to the flat, and you would think Dak just passed to Zeke. He's ready. He could just churn out some yards. Um, and that's the thing when you've got the likes of Amari Cooper and CD Lamb, you you know you can just air it out. Um, but uh, and and that's going to affect Zeke Elliott. Tony Pollard looked better at times. Mm. But I, I think, again, talk, talk, talk to everybody after week three when we see we can start saying, oh, well, actually, Zeke is being used more in yeah. that ground game. It was never going to happen against the Bucks, But against the Chargers, I feel like he'll come back to form um, because I don't think you want to take on Derwin James for the Chargers as much uh, uh, when you look at the, the Bucks corners. With It's a great point. And with, uh, on the other side of the ball, with the Chargers line against this, Dallas team that's lacking a bit of bite, particularly with the rush, especially if Randy Gregory doesn't start, right? So looking back at week one and that Chargers offensive line is pretty decent in terms of protecting Herbert, right? They were only, uh, where's the number here? 52, on 52 dropbacks, Herbert was only under pressure on six of those 52. And when he's got a clean pocket, he was uh, outstanding. 
All right. He ranks sixth amongst all quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of his passing grade from a, a clean pocket, courtesy of PFF, uh, the, that data, those numbers. So Herbert picked up from where he left off. And that is a concern for me for, for the Cowboys. I'm not sure they're going to be able to put him under much duress. And I think yeah. if you've got Justin Herbert playing the way he's playing without much pressure, he could carve you up. Yeah. When you break it down, everything you've said about the Cowboys, the injury, Zach Martin comes back in, but defensively, uh, that front uh, seven, uh, then let's not forget, they did get two takeaways from uh, the Bucks. They did get two turnovers, Yeah, but they didn't do anything with it. So that went against them. But yeah, if you can't put pressure, they didn't get any sacks in that game. We're talking about Chase Young for the Washington football team. We're talking about Montez Sweat. If they couldn't quite get enough pressure, I don't see where it's going to come from in the Cowboys. So therefore, mm. it's you're just going to have to air it out. It, it, it's another big scoring game here. Uh, who who gives up first? Who who doesn't um, you know connect on a pass uh, and gives the ball back to the opposition? I think that's the game we're looking at here. Which way are you leaning? If I had to lean, I mean, I mean, also a shout out to Rashawn Slater from from the draft. I mean, I think he's allowed no pressures in that game. That's the first time anyone a, a, a debut since 2011. Mm. Incredible. He's going to protect Herbert. The 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 Cowboys aren't going to get to him. Uh, uh, but I just love the way Dak was playing. These are two offensive rookies of the year mm. previously, Dak and Justin Herbert. I would lean on. America's team. Let's go Ooh, with America's go team. Cowboys. And you know what? It'll come down to something like some amazing play on special teams. Shout out to John Fossil, who I absolutely <laughs> love uh, Fossil. <laughs> love Fossil. He took over the Rams at Do one you remember point. Remember that in All or Nothing? Yeah, I love <laughs> yeah. that. My favorite episodes of All or Nothing. <laughs> and the players love Fossil as well. Yeah, he's incredible. So I think Fassel, I think Fossil. If you call him Fossil, <laughs> I'm going to call him Fossil because he's been around for a long time. Uh, yeah, but uh, good old Fossil. Thanks. Uh, nah, uh, uh, they didn't win in the preseason at all. Mike McCarthy he's there I feel like the Cowboys are just gonna find a way to win and I, and I can't I, I, and I look on paper and I don't know how they're gonna do it um, you know maybe Blake Jarwin Dalton Schultz will step up for the Cowboys um, I, I'm gonna go Cowboys and I know that the Chargers are gonna win now as soon as I said it <laughs> yeah, it's a lock Tom Deacon's a lock you mentioned Mike McCarthy, and of course, it got me how remiss of us 40 or so minutes into uh, your first appearance no. on the show this season. We haven't, Don't we, do haven't it. we haven't referenced Mick McCarthy. And would, how would Mick, what would Mick do in, in this situation against the Chargers? Well, Mick McCarthy, listen. Let them have the yards. Don't, no. Mick McCarthy says, don't bother with the defensive line. Don't try and tackle them. No, we're not doing it. We're just going to let them run with the ball, and we'll have it back, and we'll have it for longer. Wind down the clock. Mick McCarthy has spoken. We'll have it for longer. That's just, it would be, how good would it be if at half time and it's a real nail biter and Mick McCarthy is just parachuted into that Cowboys locker room and delivers that speech and walks out. And just the look on the, the Cowboys face, faces would be incredible. I would love to see that. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's go to Titan Seahawks next. This is an intriguing one, of course, because Seahawks up and running and looking... Uh, the offense in particular, Shane Roldron's new offense looking pretty tidy. Thank you very much. The Titans, one of the worst performances of uh, recent memory for them. How much do we read into that, do you think? That the the Titans were bad on both sides of the ball, frankly, but particularly the offense was uh, was horrendous and everything was unraveling. You had, after the game, Mike Vrabel, who I'm a big fan of, one of my favorite coaches in 
in the league. And I, I think he, not just strategically how he manages things, but how he, how he carries himself, how he handles himself. So I looked at this really interestingly. Inter- I was very interested when I saw this and Ollie, our producer, was flagging it and saying we should talk about it on the show. Vrabel calling out Julio. Mm. And if you didn't see it, uh, because there's so much as well that gets flies around and you miss things, you suddenly pick on another habit of that game. And Julio got uh, called for a personal foul, which was turned out to be quite a significant and costly personal foul for the time. So it wouldn't have, uh, I don't think, affected the, the result, the way they were playing. But it was nevertheless a, an issue. And Vrabel called him out afterwards. And he called it dumb shit that hurts the team in bold letters. That was his, that was his quote. Uh, and that seems to have divided opinion. Some people saying Vrabel was out of order for doing that. Other people saying, well, no, that's what he should be doing. And Vrabel himself said, I wouldn't say anything in a presser to the media that I wouldn't say directly to a player. Where are you on Vrabel calling out Julio? I mean, I got more popcorn and I started eating uh, and I just, I just loved it. I lapped that up. Um, To be honest with you, I think there's something, there's merit in from being a neutral fan and saying, yeah, a, a coach should call out a player when they do something wrong. If, if it's justified, if it did really cost the game, because the players are accountable, you know, we're talking about Julio Jones, the, the vet, the experienced player who mm. needs, I guess there's something more to it. Um, you've got to be accountable. That's what they talk about in the NFL all the time. I think there's something else that's happened maybe in practice, in training where Julio Jones hasn't bothered or not put as much effort in and is, and is resting on his laurels because the name's there. It's Julio Jones. You know, I'm incredible. You know, nothing gets said about me that's uh, negative. He's and quite, he's known as quite, he's known as quite a down to earth, but not a flashy receiver, is he? And that, because somebody uh, was making the point uh, and I think very accurately that, he was put on a pedestal in in Atlanta and probably never had to deal with that kind of thing. And I wonder whether variable like deliberately you can read a lot into this. He committed mm. a he committed a personal foul. It was a stupid mistake, uh, or stupid uh decision, and it cost him. So it, it's fair to call that. But I wonder whether Vrabel is doing it to show that he's not, you know, one, no one player is bigger than the team. And that's obviously very much the culture he engenders there. I Vrabel is somebody that when the Titans came over, and again, uh, uh, apologies for telling this story for the 58,000th time to, to some of your old school listeners. But long story short, Vrabel, I did an interview with him and a number of the, the, the leaders on the team. And you could tell, and this was his first year, I think, as a head coach, you could tell straight away the respect they had. He had that really good balance of a, be a young head coach that could connect with them in, in certain ways that and not exclusively the older head coaches can't. I remember talking to... Uh, to OC and Jay Bell about this with someone like Tom Coughlin that, you know, obviously much older than they were, but they still had a strong connection. I'm not suggesting that older coaches can't connect, but there is, I think, an ex-pro younger coach dynamic with some of the older veterans when there's maybe like, you know, eight years, six years difference in some cases in age, right? That there was clearly this connection that was the right side of, of that balance. You know, it wasn't a case of, well, he's one of the boys and he doesn't carry authority. So I don't think he's throwing the smack down on Julio to try and establish authority. And we've seen lots of head coaches do that, right? Kind of go into a locker room. Patricia mm-hmm. did this in Detroit with disastrous results where he's going to call out, uh, you know, call out Slay, I think it was, and, you know, yeah. just call out some of the leaders and everyone's turning around like, what are you doing? I don't but- think it was that. But but I feel like the the psychology of it is no, no one's um, 
no one's uh, uh, devoid of, of criticism after a game. And that's particularly right. Julio Jones to say, look, look, everyone's accountable. Everyone from the special teams to the offense, to the defense, to the coaches, we're all accountable. That was some dumb uh, that he, he, he pulled there. You, you can't be doing that. So I think what it sends is a message. It's how it's really about how does Julio take this? Mm. Um, and, and I, and I haven't seen anything to say how he's responded. And this is Julio Jones who pretty much forced his way out of the Falcons. I mean, look, look, we've all done things that maybe we'd say I wasn't, I, I said it in the wrong way. I didn't do it quite right. Mm. Rabel's called him out. He's one of the star players. Everyone needs to lift their game because that performance was poor, like really poor. And you go for the, the, the star to say, look, we're all accountable. No one's safe in this team. And now it's how it responds. I mean, and, and in, in this week, if the Titans bounce back and beat the Seahawks, who I think are going to win this game, uh, that will be a bit of a surprise for everybody. And everyone will be like, Vrabel did the best thing ever there. Um, and, and then it begs the question, did Vrabel want Julio Jones? You know, it, all of these little subtexts and all the things underneath the fabric, did he really want him? Is he digging him out because he wants him out of there? He doesn't think mm. he's right for the team. You're talking about, you know, Vrabel, the Patriots way, you know, yeah. you're accountable, you step up. Um, so it's so why I, I like Julio Jones. I like Vrabel. I think he said what he had to say. Now let's see the proof in the pudding if it, if it does actually work. It would not surprise me at all here, despite what you look at on paper here and uh, and quite a few mismatches around on, on both sides, I guess. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Titans rack up a lot of points against Seattle. I'm a, a supporter of the Seattle D in the sense that I think it's better than a lot of people suggest. I think it's only getting stronger. But if Henry went for 140, Julio, two touchdowns. They hardly used the play action. I thought was really interesting, mm. you know, week one, which of course is the staple, one of the staples of this, the success of this offense for, for Tennessee. I can see, I can see the Titans offense rallying. The question is, can the defense handle what's going on with, with Seattle? Particularly, I suppose the key to this will be whether they can break through that line because Russ was sacked three times again. And I know everyone hypes up how many times has Wilson been sacked over all these years. And that's getting better progressive. The line's getting better. Looking at data from sort of four or five years ago is kind of irrelevant, right? But yeah, if, if they can get if they can get to Russ and and that's a big if because I'm not sure they've got the players to do at Tennessee at the moment defensively. But if they can, I think it could be really interesting. If they can't, I, th- I still think the offense will score points, but I think Seattle takes this. Yeah, it I, on paper I look at this the Seahawks uh, flying uh, in, in terms of Lockett and Metcalf uh, yeah. Wilson. This will be his hundredth career win if he gets it in the NFL, uh, which is an incredible stat. You know, ten years he's been in the game. Only Peyton Manning's had that many wins in those ten years. So Wilson's on fire. They look great, but when you look at the Titans last week. Um, against the Cardinals. They did not run the football successfully enough. They are built on the run. Mm. They had a, they, they had a fumble that Tannehill got sacked early doors, lost that football. I just think they were, they were like rabbits in the headlights. You've got a new uh, defensive coach in, um, mm. You got Shane Bowen has that title now, and then Arthur Smith's gone to the Falcons. They right. didn't look great, to be honest, on on offense uh, in the game. And then Todd Downey steps up, and you you kind of got yeah. a Titans team that are learning yeah. how to win at the moment. So I, I I kind of agree with you. I think that they can, um, you know, step up offensively. Um, is Bud Dupree going to do enough uh, defensively to 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 stop the Seahawks? 
and I don't see it. So therefore, for me, it's a Seahawks win. As much as that, did, you, did I sound like I was gritted teeth there for the NFC? A little bit, West? a little bit. Little bit. Okay, they will. And, and and oddly enough, I didn't mention it earlier that that I think NFC West is going to be undefeated uh, by the end of week two. I think they they mm. they, they get that. But Big the Seahawks Dupree's, um, Dupree's questionable, by the way. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday. He sat out of practice yesterday, so that is a great point that you make. Where if Dupree starts, I think that does give them. You know, potentially, uh, well, certainly it gives them that, 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 that more of that edge. Great point you make about the coordinators. I don't think enough people are making this, this point, that change early on. Of course, you know, of course there's going to be, even if you're retaining a lot of the personnel, a lot of the same system, inevitably you're, you're not going to retain a lot of, of uh, or there's going to be enough change on both sides of the ball as well. But just the acclimatization for those two in the NFL stepping up, it's yeah. a, it's a big call for it all to be gelling on week one and the Titans we've seen before defensively last year there they were suspect and there were games where they were just blitzed and blown away and uh, and that uh, is I think a, an important note of caution here so I can see him bouncing back in a better performance but I think the Seahawks take this and I think that yeah. Titans are in own two land as well Tom let's talk Bills Dolphins next big AFC East clash huge game for the Bills of course they were another team much like the Titans not maybe not as uh, not as uh, stunningly that nevertheless had a, 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 a below par performance by their standards. How much should we be concerned about what we saw from Buffalo last week? Do you think? I think we should be massively concerned that uh, you weren't expecting that response. Uh, week one's out the window. The bills are done. That's it. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to, they're not making the playoffs. It's the end of the road. They've overpaid Josh Allen. McDermott's on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah, basically they've paid Josh Allen. He's sitting back on all that cash in his bank account. He's moved into cryptocurrency. He's now trading on that. He doesn't have any time to throw the ball. He's not interested. He's actually gone back into uh, the world of eBay. He's buying teeny beanie babies uh, and trying to sell those on the stock to shares. I think and I that- saw one of those in Dak Prescott's swag bag that <laughs> that's one of the things he's got in there one of the big ones which was basically that's a special occasion for a child to, if it's a christmas and a birthday present uh <laughs> size um look I, I think uh josh allen looked like he'd regressed back to the 2019 josh allen not the Josh Allen we saw last year. Um they just couldn't get seem to get the football out there to Stefan Diggs. The run game what run game uh so they they've got a lot to work on but yeah, again you're talking about the Steelers they don't muck about when they hit you they really mm. hit you hard and and um mm. with the likes of what they're in that team they, I don't think the Bills were expecting that to, to be hit so hard by the Steelers and then just couldn't rally but again like every team from week one they'll see oh we are not quite good enough we really need to work on this and then uh Sean McDermott will get them uh, playing a lot better it's going to be tight. I mean, much like the Finns game against New England was, uh, I, I really liked Jalen Waddle, which as expected, gives an X factor to this offense that wasn't there last season, certainly. And that's with respect to obviously Devontae Parker. And I'm a big Team Kosicki fan, but Jalen Waddle adds that dimension, which takes them, elevates them to the next level. No doubt about that. And to uh, another, I felt, solid step forward he's not going to progress at the rate of Justin Herbert uh, and some of his other contemporaries it's just not that uh, it, it doesn't appear at the moment to, to be that kind of trajectory but it, it, it we've talked about it a lot on the show we referenced it a little bit earlier on uh, this particular show let's just give him half a season at least half of this season on top of what he put on in last year before we start to to 
form any conclusions at the mm. moment i think too is progressing solidly and this sense that he's because he's not lights out good that he's somehow a bust is nonsense i would never call him a, a bust uh, what Some i would say are, and the dolphins are looking over their shoulder all the time at who else is out there which whatever they're yeah. testing is is worrying i think i think if you're a real nfl fan you understand that that, that players get a season maybe two seasons and then that's it you get you know dropped down to the bench um but with with Tua, I don't think he's had a long enough opportunity to really set his mark, have all the players. He's got weapons now, uh, like you you pointed out with uh, with with Jalen Waddle. Like you've you've got stars there that that can deliver. For me personally, it, it comes down to the scheme, and the scheme is beautifully put together by Brian Flores, and he's like my favorite coach, other than Kyle Shanahan. I absolutely love him. Although I do notice the stat line that says he's zero and four against the Bills. And the last time they played uh, was the Bills 56, Dolphins 26. Uh, you know, and, and not, a, not a great result, but I'm, I'm very impressed with how Brian Flores is, is protecting to uh, uh, mm. allowing him that time to develop. And like you say, you don't need to make decisions just yet because those weapons will still be there for any other quarterback that, that needs to step into two issues. But so far, look, they just beat the Patriots. That doesn't happen often. Let's, in, let's enjoy this, Dolphins fans, and, 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 and see how it rides out. But the Bills are going to be a bigger challenge mm. for Tua. Um, and, and it's like they say about Andy Dalton. He's a 2020 quarterback. He throws it for no more than 20 yards and keeps moving down the field. The difference with Justin Herbert and like we saw with, with Stafford, they can zing it when they really need to zing it. And that's the difference. And I think that's the only thing that we're not quite seeing from Tua just yet with that accuracy. But if you're getting wins, who cares? I'm really interested to see the Bills' offensive game plan in this game because you mentioned the, the running back core and that was uh, identified understandably as the big weakness coming to the season. Devin Singletary averaged six and a half a carry last week, which was decent enough. But if we're talking about X Factor, it doesn't. they don't appear to have that. I can't work out whether we're falling into the trap with the Bills and Singletary in particular that we mentioned earlier on, people are doing all across the league with quarterbacks that give up on them too quickly. And we forget that they hypen um, optimism around a player that quickly gets diminished after half a season or an injury or whatever. And of course, an injury uh, can create uh, a situation where a player is never the same. Todd Gurley, I guess, is, is the most notable recent example in that position, right? Of a player who's just n- was never the same when he came back from that injury. But I don't think there is necessarily uh, the cause for negativity around the Bills' ground game of Devin Singletary. If he was to progressively step up week on week on week and, you know, be middle of the pack, 16th to 20th in terms of productivity, that will suit the Bills fine because yeah. Allen can add everything he can add you know, on both sides of the, of the ball on the ground game and in the air. So really interested to see whether they lean on the run a little bit more, whether they, how much they air it out and how much they let Allen run as well. So looking forward to that game for obvious personal reasons too. Quick pick for, uh, from you on the Raiders Steelers. Who's going to take that and why? Oh, um, oh, well, just to answer the Bills Dolphins, uh, Matt Breeder goes back to the Dolphins. So I'm, I'm going to say the, the, the <laughs> uh, four carries, four yards. Uh, he'll be uh, tearing <laughs> it up. Uh, like right. you just said, uh, Nat, it's all about complementing uh, all the pieces you have. Uh, I see the Bills getting the win. But uh, you asked me about those Raiders versus the Steelers. Even though I love 
the Raiders and Derek Carr almost getting emotional in a post-match interview, almost crying uh, with his team. Emotional kind of cat, isn't he, Derek Carr? I like that. I love him. He said, my career has been up and down. It's been up and down like a roller coaster. But we got there. We did it. Just a finger point. He's a finger point guy. He likes a point, doesn't he? Yeah. (laughs) And I, I, I really like him. And I think fair play to the Raiders, even though John Gruden, uh, he's not the captain of a ship that I want. He's going to be all over, all over. Uh, we could have got there in a direct route, but we haven't. That's John Gruden. <laughs> who are you? Who are you picking in the draft that you're just going to let go and a wasted pick? John Gruden. I don't like the organization. I don't see where they're going. But uh, what do you I make th- of the, the game in Vegas? You know, a lot of people were wondering, is the black hole going to be there and what kind of fans are going to rock up and you're going to get stag nights and everything else. I mean, I do like the fact that Vegas has a team. I know not everybody does, but I do. I do like the fact you can go and watch NFL in Vegas. I, I think I want the, you know, like on the, on, the, on the stadium when you look at it and you've got the fans that sometimes the players jump, jump up to and celebrate with. Mm. I want them all sort of black, red, black, red, black, red, black, red in their outfit and then just one <laughs> green at the end. That's what I want. I just want, I think that would be beautiful. <laughs> I think it would be great. Um, but I tell you what, I just watched the documentary on uh, Darren Waller and uh, wow. I, do you know what? You, you immediately get like this guy, it, like he's had it all, lost it at times, come mm. back. Love him as a, a player. I think he's a yeah. fantastic guy. Uh, I still don't see them beating the Steelers. No chance. Uh, that defense is just strong enough to take them all the way uh, to a playoff game easily. And and I think Najee Harris will, will have a, mm. a running on those Raiders. So I think we'll see the potential that everyone drafted him early in, in Fantasy League uh, come out on that game. So Steelers for me. I love the fact that Steelers were so slagged off last year the worst 11 on 0 team in the history of the nfl nobody was by them now there's one where the defense is balling admittedly and it's uh, everybody loves the steelers it's just a, it is a crazy game that we love great to see you bud uh really really uh, good to catch up great to hear from casey as well i appreciate her input into the show I can only apologize. Now, uh, through the last two years, everyone was like, sorry about my dog. Sorry about my cat. And I was like, oh, so annoying. And now I'm that guy. So yeah. uh, well, I can no, only apologize. We we, on this show, we are very, very pro some animal uh, interaction. Indeed, when we drop Edge Rush, uh, which will be later on this week, keep your uh, keep your, I keep saying keep your ears peeled, which just isn't a phrase, Tom. Don't peel ears. Don't, don't peel them. That. Don't we'll, peel them. Until the cat will have her pick on Edge Rush. Ollie and I will be going through stuff uh, on Edge Rush as well to get your edge set for the weekend. Uh, Tom, what's new for you? What's latest for you? Gigging again, as you mentioned earlier on the yeah, right stand-up? Stand-up comedy is back uh, to varying degrees of people coming out, but, uh, but comedy is happening. Still waiting for that live at the Apollo call-up. Uh, all my peers keep going on before me, but I'm happy for them. I'm saying through gritted teeth. Uh, but no, I, I'm, the comedy is back. And also the return of the F1 esports. It's now oh, a great. pro championship. So that's all starting in October. So there could be a new uh, champ. And that's on, uh, yeah, like on YouTube and uh, a, a lot of fun. So yeah, busy, but uh, hoping the fantasy league uh, gets better for a particular league. I mean, called uh, Show Me Your Touchdowns. Uh, and I was poor. I was I was brought in as the expert and uh yeah, it's uh, they, you, you they, had a tight start. It'll bounce, you'll bounce back. <laughs> Very uh, this week. I can feel it. Look after yourself, bud. Come and see us soon. You too, guys. Thank you. Brilliant stuff from Tom. He will be back very soon. You can count on that. So will we. Uh, edge Rush dropping Saturday morning. The Edge Rush fix. Me and Propo getting into some of the our favorite angles from this weekend's action. So if that's your thing, make sure you check out Edge Rush. We will have a college days dropping next week. I promise that isn't a promise. A signed and sealed, locked 
and loaded uh, promise that Ben Isaacs will be dropping by with college days. I might back on Monday as well for our review show. Uh, we have got episodes rolling thick and fast. So if you haven't already, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Many thanks to everybody who's bigged us up on uh, on whichever pod platform you listen to us on. We really appreciate that. The reviews helps us out, helps us with sponsors, love all that good stuff. And it puts a big smile on Propo's face as well. So what is not to love about that? And at the NC Show on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, lots of good stuff rolling through the week, lots of videos from the shows as well. So if you want to put faces to names and uh, we'll put some bonus and extra stuff out there as well, then that is where you follow us. Thanks to everybody on those channels for your interaction and support of the show. We massively appreciate that. Right back for Edra Saturday. I'm Mike Monday. We'll see you then. Bye for now. Fellow baseball nuts, join us on the Johnny and Josh show with my baseball brothers where JC will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend Eric Jansen will offer quirky baseball trivia, but we also have David Langell, who will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis. The Johnny and Josh Show, available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.